In a world where your mother has no boundaries and you're searching for a shred of hope, what if I told you, you could become your own unlikely hero? Anyways, we got a new boundary workshop. Check the show notes. Bye. This is Unlearned, a self-rising production. I'm Jamie. And I'm CA. And we are your hosts. This is a podcast all about deconstructing who we are and exploring who we are becoming. Hello. Hello. Back again. Look at us go. It's almost (laughs) fall, y'all. Yeah? Is the is the weather changing for you up there in New um, York? Not really, but – well, a little bit. It is today. But we That's are nice. – what is the uh, what is the official end of summer? So um, September 21st, 22nd, First? 23rd, somewhere in there. 22nd, I think, is the – I think the 22nd is the equinox, but I think it's like – so we got less than a week, folks. Well, it, as of this recording, maybe you'll yeah. hear this after after fall yeah. has officially started. But that's true. All right. Well, we are talking about what today. So I was thinking about boundaries, and the reason that I kind of wanted to talk about this is I want to almost give like a really foundational crash course boundaries one hundred and one very basic overview of understanding boundaries and boundary work. This is a very foundational element to self-growth work and just mental health in general. And it's also very complex. And so this is not going to be the only time that we dig into it. But for the purposes of this episode, I really kind of wanted to give a sort of, hey, if you're brand new to your sort of mental health or self-growth journey, and you've been hearing this word, it is a buzzword, and you're maybe a little confused about what it is, what it isn't, when to use boundaries and how to use boundaries, then this is the episode for you. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's a very easily misunderstood because I think a lot of people have different techniques that they use with boundaries and the way they frame the boundary can absolutely be easily misunderstood or easily interpreted as them being demanding or controlling. Mm -hmm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. that is, that is something that we're going to be trying to work through today of like, of course you could have these immediate, like, this is what I don't want them to do, or this is what I do, you know, and like you have these immediate frameworks of like what you want, you know, your environment to look like. But what we're hoping for is to give you guys a pretty decent like structure and framework to kind of address boundaries in your own life and then how to mm-hmm. actually like we're going to probably come up with a couple phrases for you just to give you like mm-hmm. a real life example of how the switch would sound um yes. which I think is really important because I mean I think I'm even guilty some of my viral videos have been like similar boundaries of just like asking someone to do something for us and in some degree, underneath that theme is a boundary, but it's really about framing the request. So mm-hmm. that's what we're really going to walk you through today, like framing it, understanding it. Uh, so yeah, let's just kind of get bare bones. So like, what is a boundary? Yeah. What do at you, the, at the you basics, think? let's start there. Yeah. What even is a boundary? And 
to understand that, this is why I say this is like so foundational. It's almost chicken and egg type of like, that's how interwoven this concept is into everything we're doing, everything we talk about on this podcast and what we hope everybody is getting out of it, which is to become their most empowered, autonomous, authentic selves. And so to do that, you have to first understand that you are an individual entity in and of yourself and other people are individual, are are their own individual entities in and of themselves. And yes, there is an interplay and there are interactions and connections and relationships. But at the end of the day, any type of relational dynamic is made up of two individuals. And so the boundary is simply, I'm, I'm using sort of like a visual for anybody who isn't watching. We've got individual number one on the left side, individual number two on the right side, and the space between. There's a space and a line between them, essentially, that's the boundary. That's it. It's so basic. It's so almost so simple that when you hear people talk about it so much in like mental health work, it seems it should be more complicated than that, but it's really not. It's basically the space between this, the line that differentiates one individual from another. How far it's, it's like where one person ends and the other person begins essentially. And so You have to really work through maybe some entanglements that you might have about your identity in order for you to understand boundary work. So if you feel super entangled, your identity is wrapped up in these other individuals. That's why I can see why it might be hard to understand what what in the world is a boundary. What do you mean there's a difference between there's a place where I end and my partner begins or my child or my parent or whatever. So, but there is, you are an individual, they are an individual. And the boundary is that line that differentiates between the two. Right. And I think that's why this is so, it's so important for us to kind of break down why someone would, I guess, not see the need to establish a boundary or they don't even see that there's even a point to a boundary. Um, And I typically would point out to that person, if you're really not seeing the point of any boundaries, is that many times these conceptualizations of self are formed in like family dynamics or collective dynamics. Like sometimes it's cultural, sometimes it's community dynamics. But what we're really talking about is, yes, of course, of course, you're part of a system. You're part of a collective. You're part of a family. Like that's a beautiful thing. You are a part of a group of people that have something that is shared between all of you. And that can be a really life-giving thing. It can be very beautiful. The issue becomes when the individual entities become almost unrecognizable between each other. And they almost feel like things are just owed to them just by being in the collective system, whatever that is. So in this case, let's just use a family, right? It's that classic, like, why didn't you tell me where you were? Why didn't you do this? And sure, there's a general level of respect of like, you know, my partner cares about me. So if I go AWOL for eight hours, sure, like there's a general sense of 
being understanding and realizing that your experience, your individual experience can impact the collective system. But what we're talking about is we have to be very, very nuanced here and very weary of when a, maybe it's a intimate partnership, maybe it's just a family, when it becomes so intertwined that you're not even allowed to be differentiated from the group in any way. This is where we get a lot of the fears of, I disagree with them on that topic, but nobody's allowed to talk about it. Or I actually have a completely different view on their perspective on this, but we're not allowed to talk about it. Or the wife jokes to their friends like, yeah, that's something that I would never, ever do, but I can't even talk to my husband about it because he would, you know, he would say we're getting a divorce or something. And as much as people think that's a joke, it's like, well, wait a second. You're telling me that the relationship is so intertwined that you're not allowed to be an individuated person in that group. You're not allowed to be. You are allowed to be the collective person that brings whatever portion of that, you know, essence of the group to the collective. You can do that. You know, you're the funny one. You can bring your humor, you know, but you can't bring your individuality. You can't bring your, you know, whatever it is, sexuality, your political views. You can't bring that to the group because we don't want that. Right. And so why we spend a little bit of time around this is when someone says, well, what's the point of boundaries? That's just going to blow up my life. Right. I, I immediately think something about that dynamic has trained you to see your individual mindset as a threat, that your individualization is a threat to the collective. And if you do individuate, then you are now putting yourself at risk for being on the outside of the circle. You're either at risk for being the gray sheep or the black sheep or whatever we're calling it that day. Like you're at risk for being outside of the circle. And most people are like, why would I even need to do that? I'm just going to make problems for myself. And I'm like, honestly, if I was being really raw, you are probably going to cause a lot of disruptions in that system if you are coming to me saying like, yeah, that's just not a possibility, right? And for many people, probably a lot of people that are listening, I've heard a lot of feedback on boundaries and and it is a nuanced take because there are some family systems where you don't get to do this lightly, You don't even get to practice this. You don't get to gently test the waters without complete risk of being exiled. And honestly, I don't want to just like bypass that weight that some people carry around with them, that they're hearing what is needed to be fully an individual and to be fully authentic. They know what's needed. They're being more aware of what's needed. And then they look at their family system and they go, oh my goodness, like I don't I don't even think I have even like a little bit of an option to do that without it being a complete dismantling of what I previously knew my family to be. Yeah, and so digging into that question about why, why should we explore boundaries? Why should we engage this concept at all? Especially if we know that it's going to cause discomfort and disruptions for us. And I think 
this is, there's no one size fits all answer to this as far as to what level is right for you as far as how and when and how many boundaries to start kind of like employing into your life. But I think you know when it's time to set a boundary when you are starting to sense and notice a really overwhelming internal dissonance and discord between like your inner voice and the voices of what's going on around you. And we've talked about this concept in previous episodes, this concept of kind of like self-betrayal. When you start to feel that you are consistently like betraying yourself for the sake of another person's comfort or not rocking the boat in a collective system, I think everybody only has a certain level of tolerance for that feeling inside their bodies. And that's why it's not one size fits all. Some people can endure it for a lot longer than others. Um, But I do think everyone has a breaking point at a certain point where they just can't do it to themselves anymore. They just can't continue to betray themselves and give away parts of themselves that they're not willing or comfortable to give away anymore or to, to take on treatment from other people that they're no longer willing to tolerate, eventually you're just going to kind of hit a wall. And when you know, you know, and I wish there was an easier kind of way for me to say, it'll feel exactly like this, or it'll look exactly like this, because it's just not that simple. And when I talk about boundary stuff, it's incredibly (laughs) nitpicky, complex, nuanced. So I'm not saying like, one day you'll wake up and just put boundaries around every part of your life perfectly. It's usually not like that. It's usually like, oh no, we're just gonna, there's gonna be certain areas of my life where like I've hit my threshold. I can't keep giving away this much energy in this direction, or I'm gonna like really damage something inside my psyche or even physically. I mean, like we we truly can like physically burn ourselves out so bad by like giving away too much energy or too much of ourselves, completely overcommitting and things like that. So I think, you know, you're going to have to sort of take an analytical approach to a wide variety of areas of your life. And you'll know it's time to set a boundary when you have that like, oh, it's just like this dissonance about this particular topic or the way this person talks to me. Like, I really just can't. I can't tolerate it anymore. If I hear them call me that name one more time or if I hear them, you know, disrespect an entire group of people, you know, be racist or homophobic. Like if I hear it again, I'm going to explode. And if you start feeling that like sense of like, oh no, it's like, it's a powder keg. That's when you know it's time. Right. And this is why it gets so problematic when you're in a family system, because a lot of these families have traditions where you get together and they go, well, I don't have a choice to not go to that dinner or I have to show up to that birthday or I have to do this or whatever. Right. And so what happens is that's what actually I hear on my end. They're like, yeah, that sounds great. Like I can create distance and I can create my protective energy and I can have my protective friends and my friends that are like very psychologically sound and they respect me. Right. I actually just pointed this out to one of my coaching clients recently. I said, we actually like have to practice with the people that break our boundaries. Like you have to practice with the person that does it because if I'm practicing with CA, she doesn't break my boundaries. So if she says something that like hurt my feelings, I would just be like, hey, CA, like that, you know, I don't know if you can reframe that, but that was like, that hurt me. And she would listen. She would literally be like, 
oh yeah, okay, sorry, that makes sense, right? But someone who doesn't, right? I don't feel that security. I don't have that muscle flexed at that point. I just get scared. I just get nervous, right? And so I don't want to like scare people, but typically the the way that you would practice this is you would say like, who's someone that maybe won't like put me in an unsafe position, right? You don't want to make sure you're like, remember, actually, this is a pretty decent, like, you know, asterisk right here. If you have to lay a boundary with someone's like literally making you feel physically like going to be, and even like they're literally so emotionally volatile that you're like, no, I can't lay a boundary with them. Like I would, I'm just going to be one of those people that even though it's easy to sit, you know, sit behind this desk and say like, it's easy to no. Like if you're going to go into a, like a triggered emotional spiral because someone's so emotional and volatile that you can't lay a boundary without it being emotionally like violating you. I would say that's not the person we're going to practice. That probably wouldn't even be the person that is useful to have the boundary like put in front of them. Right. Um, of course they need to hear it, but if they're not safe enough to like absorb that, like I would say, yeah, we're not going to practice with that person. Um, And then obviously the physical stuff, that would be another factor too. So it is tricky because do you hear what I'm saying? It's like the really extreme people are really actually going to burn you out really quickly. Like if you try to practice a boundary with someone who is so volatile, Mm -hmm. your brain would say, um, that just put us in a dangerous situation. Never practice that again. Not worth it. Exactly. Not worth Mm -hmm. it. Like you Mm -hmm. are incredibly reckless right now with our emotional well-being. Like, please don't Mm -hmm. ever do that again. Right. And I will liken to, I liken it to like, if I give you guys an analogy, I would liken it to like, if you are practicing a new skill, right? If I'm doing skateboarding, I'm not going to go down a half pipe the first time. The first I time, practice, yeah. Yeah, the first time I practice a few things because what could happen is I could genuinely like really injure myself and then my brain says, we're never practicing this skill ever again. I would mm-hmm. never, we're never going to a skate park. You're never going to get back on a skateboard. Don't ever do this again, right? right. Versus if I just... Like if I'm like in a skateboard simulator where I never am actually on it and I just am like in my home in the living room and I never really practice the skill, but I'm like, yep, I'm skateboarding guys, right? It's like the safest mechanism for me to practice that. I'm not really developing the skill. So now what we're trying to do is we're trying to find the slight incline in our that one little part Mm -hmm. of our sidewalk that goes a little bit faster than the other. So when we're on it, we're like, okay, I'm not going to just stand on the skateboard. I'm going to go on that little bit of dip so I can kind of learn how to navigate around that speed or that skill around that technique. Okay. So that's what I would, I'm, I mean, obviously we could generalize that to a lot of emotional skills, but for this skill, I'm going to, I'm going to use it for the boundary skill for a second because especially with the boundary skills, because you're, it's so dependent on the other person's reaction of like, that safety of the feeling, right? It's like, oh my God, this feels super unsafe or I'm okay to continue to lay the boundary, right? So that is something that it sounds like there's this perfect person out there, right? That you can practice a boundary with. But I would actually say we're not going to practice with, honestly, I would practice with someone that's like in your circle that 
might be a little bit more honest, but isn't like the super, super, super safe person. Like that will be like, oh my God, a hundred percent, everything you say, I'll listen to, right? You want to, you want to have someone that you're practicing a boundary with that like might be a little pissy when they hear it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. might feel a little pissed off. Like, Give not a little pushback. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be mean, but it might be like a sister. Like I could imagine if I did this with one of my sisters, they'd be like, <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Like they would do something like, obnoxious, right? But it would mm-hmm. be giving me mm-hmm. an opportunity to reiterate what what I was doing, why I was practicing this. It gives me space. I'm not completely comfortable, but I'm not emotionally obliterated, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that line where I'm like, wait, so if you are going to practice some of these things, I would say we do have to keep that in mind because we have some families, like I just said in the intro, we have some families that like aren't really safe to practice this with maybe at all. And I don't want to admit that, but yes, it's true. Maybe at all. And then we have some like other dynamics, maybe intricate dynamics in the family that can handle it. Right. And Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. not that like we say like never do it because people are like emotionally labile and like all over the place. No, it's more like we have to develop the skills somewhere. We have to develop the skill somewhere. So we do need to be very particular where we're practicing this skill. Okay. So why don't we move into like what it sounds like, Mm -hmm. what the differential Mm -hmm. between, you know, because I think that's important for us to talk. This is a really good time to move into that. Um, And we're going to try to give a framework for understanding boundaries that is hopefully very empowering. And we're going to try to bring a little bit of clarity to this issue because one of the main feedbacks that I get about like not understanding boundaries or or how they work is people be like, okay, well, that's great that you don't want to be talked to like that, but like you literally can't control another person's physical mouth. So how do you actually give them a boundary? How do you say to them, please don't speak to me that way? I don't like being spoken to that way. And what, then you just leave it up to trust. Oh, well, I just hope they listen to me and let's just like see how it goes. And then then you get all these other like cascades of, okay, well, how many times do they have to violate my boundary before I do something about it, right? And then what do I do about it when the time comes, you know? And so I feel like that understanding of boundaries is not empowering at all. And it's very confusing and wishy-washy. And it makes sense to me why I have people come to me and be like very confused. Like, I don't understand how this works. So we're going to talk about boundaries from a very different angle. And this is going to be much more from the angle of you and what you can control, which is yourself. You can control your words and your actions, right? So the criticism or confusion that I get about boundaries is absolutely valid because I can tell somebody, don't talk to me like that, but that's actually like completely a meaningless sentence because I can't actually force them. I can hope they're a decent person that listens to my request, but at the end of the day, it's just a request. It's just me like asking them to treat me better and leaving the power in their hands to hopefully make the right decision. So in the reverse, what we're going to do is work with the way that a boundary is actually going to sound is going to be 
from what I have control over. So say it's, I've been using this sort of like language example so far. If somebody's been speaking to you in a disrespectful, offensive way, you know, either they're using insults or just off color ways of talking that you are really just no longer willing to tolerate. Rather than saying, don't talk to me like that. You're going to say, I am not willing to be spoken to like that. And when you speak to me like that, I will be leaving the room or I will be hanging up the phone. You see how this shift about it coming from your perspective actually completely changes the power dynamic and makes it to where there is no such concept as, well, what if they don't listen to my boundary? Well, that's not that's no longer an issue in this type of framework because the boundary has to do with what you are going to do and where your power is. And so you say what you are or are not willing to tolerate from that person. I am not willing to tolerate being spoken to like that. And then immediately you set out the course of action that's going to happen when they, if they (laughs) continue to speak to you in the way that you just verbalized, you're no longer willing to tolerate. So when you speak to me like that, I will be hanging up. I will be leaving. Now, (laughs) this is why, as Jamie was saying, you have to find the kind of right types of folks to start practicing this with because... There are situations, there are dynamics that you straight up would not be safe to say something that empowered. And then if you go with somebody that's like very respectful and they just like accidentally didn't realize what they were saying was offensive and you're like, I'm not willing to be spoken to like that. If you speak to me like that again, I will leave. Then they're going to be like, I'm so sorry. I'll never say it again. You know, so it's going to have to be like you said, maybe like a friend or a sibling or a coworker that you're not really sure and you feel like maybe they are trying to like get away with a certain power dynamic around you and you're ready to just be like no um my space my energetic and emotional space is a priority to me and I belong here too as far as like if this is a family or a workspace situation or at school and that environment is consistently feeling uncomfortable for you, this is where you take your power back and you say, I'm not comfortable with this situation. And if it continues like this, I will remove myself. Mm -hmm. And that's all we really can do is control our own selves. Yeah. Like if you guys have been a listener for a while, you guys have heard me talk about that dynamic with one of my work in my workplace. And it always reminds, it literally reminds me of this exact scenario because the people that you engage with that might not be like volatile, but they're definitely gonna, they're definitely showing their cards in their way they respond to you. Especially when you're like, um, I think I need like this in this scenario, I'm just going to try to remind the listeners. It was like, there was a disagreement with one of my superiors and I was like, I don't feel really comfortable giving you a response right now. I don't, I literally, I can feel the pressure building and I, I need a minute. Like I'm going to need like some time to revisit this conversation. That's exactly how I said it. That's a perfect example of a boundary guys. Like you identifying how you feel emotionally, understanding how you're showing up to the dynamic. The dynamic is getting very, very, very volatile. And you're realizing that if you continue talking, it's going to actually start hurting you or hurting your job or hurting your relationship or whatever it is. And so being able to practice a pause and ask and literally not even asking, just 
acknowledging I am going to take a pause. It is so telling how people can respond to that type of boundary where if I looked at, you know, someone who genuinely felt like a complete power dynamic and I said, I can kind of, I feel this, I feel this dialogue going a specific direction. I'm struggling with the direction it's going in. I don't really have like the words I need to have this conversation be constructive. So I think I'm going to need to revisit this conversation in probably like an hour, maybe later today. Okay. So that's the boundary. And if their response is, what makes you think you can leave this room? Right there, they told you. They told you exactly how much power they perceive they have over the dynamic. Because even if they are your superior, you never have to sit there and continue to be bullied at all. And notice, I wasn't willing to engage. So when I had that response on my end, I literally said, that's almost verbatim what came out of their mouth. What makes you think you can like leave this meeting or, or you know, whatever. And I acknowledged what the meeting would occur. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to quietly sit and listen to whatever you need to share. If there's other things you need to share about this disagreement, I will listen to that. And then when you're finished with all of the things you need to review, I, I, I need you to understand I won't be responding to that until later when I feel more comfortable and more over my emotions. And when I tell you the amount of control it took to get to that point, and then immediately there was this dynamic of like anger that that person lost control over me. This is why boundaries are such a, they're almost like, what's that word I'm trying to think of? They are like a litmus test. They're the ones that like tell us what kind of person are we interacting with? Because CA said it right off. If you're you're interacting with someone new and you say, actually, like, I would really appreciate or like not whatever, like however you're, I would appreciate, you know, you changing the way. And and honestly, I would have to leave the room if like that continued. Okay. So like if you, and someone's like, "Oh oh, of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Let me rephrase or something. You immediately realize that someone sees your dynamic as a mutual dynamic that I bring something to this dynamic and you bring something to this dynamic. And if for some reason, both of us are feeling unsafe, I, I, I will respect you and you will respect me. Right. But when someone has a perceived sense of power over you, the second you identify that power and you embody that power and then articulate that power, notice I'm saying over self not over someone else. You're embodying the power you have over yourself, (laughs) okay? That, for someone who thinks they have that energy over you, feels like a threat, right? So this is why we're trying to phrase it in this like new way, where when you realize that I am the one that has to establish a very deep sense of how I would like to be treated in this world. And then I have to learn how to articulate where that begins and where other people end and how I would navigate those conversations. When CA was talking, I wanted to clarify something like, and this might've been something we could have led with, but boundary work is entirely like linked to core identity development 
And the reason why it is, is because when someone comes to me and says like, I don't even know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't really, it's, it's okay if I don't have boundaries, I I don't really care or whatever. Or they'll say, yeah, I guess I know when something's bothering me, but like, I don't really know, like, you know, where the line is. And I'm like, it's clear that somewhere along the way, someone told you you had no power over your life. You have no power over your autonomy. You have no power over the way you show up to your life and someone's spoken over you. Right. And so it's almost looked at as like futile, like it's futile to speak my mind because no one's going to listen to me or I don't have that power in the beginning. I don't have that power in the first place. I don't even have it. So I don't know why I would articulate it. Right. And so one of the first steps before we even like form the fully formed thought of like what the boundary is would be what is your threshold? Because for me, I can handle a lot of people swearing. Like if people are casually swearing, I can handle that. Um, I think that the threshold would change if like there was a group of five-year-olds in the room, right? Like I would probably be like, hey, um, I, I hear that you're, you know, speaking a little bit of strong language. Um, my children are in the room. I'm going to have to take them out. This is, you know, this is a little concerning to me, right? Okay. So that would be I would have to walk through what is my personal threshold for enduring a specific kind of like questionable experience, right? And if I don't have that answer, I'm just going to sit there and tolerate it, right? I'm just going to sit there and tolerate it and be like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable. The reason why this is really important for you guys to think about is regardless if you have the the conviction or like the clear defined yes I will like for example like the r word like I don't I don't like when people say the r word I don't know why it's still in our vernacular but it's one of those things where like when you hear that word and by the way I'll be the first to admit this I will have I will hear this word and sometimes I don't stop everything and say like stop doing you know like it will be in passing and someone can keep talking right and I don't stop everything and like you know But I realized that what happens internally when those scenarios go down is that because I don't clearly define that that is an incredibly harmful word and I really, really struggle being in the room when people are using that word. I do that anyways in my brain and my brain, it's that self-betrayal that CA was talking about. It's like my brain says, Jamie, like, you know that about yourself. You know that that word is incredibly like painful for you to hear. And why are you sitting there and just like continuing to dialogue? And why are we still here? Right. And it's that dissonance that CA was talking about in the beginning, that, that beginning part of like when that dissonance builds, that is what gets us to that actual tangible how do we say this out loud right how do we get to the point where we're articulating the boundary fully out loud and defining ourselves remember it's defining ourselves that is why this is so scary because now not only do you have to have the thought in your head you have to have the awareness you have to have the belief behind it but you have to have the conviction that you are an individual that's different than the couple people that are now using that word in front of you, right? And you have to clearly define yourself, which is incredibly scary for a lot of people. And that that is sometimes overlooked in boundary work. Like we don't understand how layered it is. It's so deeply connected to our core self that like to overlook that is to overlook an entire step of what we're doing here. 
And that's what I mean when I was talking at the beginning about understand like that chicken and egg concept of like you literally like you you need boundaries to individualize and you need to be an individual to you need to uh, like see yourself as an individual and really truly like embody yourself as an individual in order to play boundaries so it's literally like you have to be developing these things in tandem truly like side by side it's like we're growing together um these these you know concepts in our mind together especially because when it comes to things like social safety and even feeling safe in our homes like that is why we might find ourselves self-betraying because we're like well if i speak up if i individualize then i might suffer social or family repercussions you know and that is a boundary that's like wanting to happen in your head with the underdeveloped sense of self. So once these two things like rise to the occasion to the same level, that's when you can actually start vocalizing and practicing like actually giving boundaries. It's like you, you really have to have both of them. Like you might in your mind think, I don't like the way that I don't like that word. I don't want to hear that word. But if you haven't really like rooted yourself in yourself as an individual amongst this dynamic, then you are going to suppress that voice for the sake of not losing the identity that you have with those people. But if your identity in and of yourself is very strong and something you can really rest into and like deeply dig your feet into that's why I'm using the word like rooted like if you feel really like deeply rooted in yourself then you have the strength to handle potential pushback because usually like one of the main reasons we don't want to lay boundaries because we like can already like play out the pushback that we're gonna get you know we're gonna get made fun of or sometimes it's even more harsh than that right then like you're gonna get targeted or whatever it is you're not gonna be able to even conceptualize yourself managing that kind of pushback if you don't feel strongly rooted in yourself. And that's what you're talking about with the conviction. Like it's not just even being convicted about the boundary itself, about the thing that feels important to you. You have to be convicted in who you are as a person and that this value of yours is a priority enough that it can, it can take, like it can withhold, it can withstand whatever pushback might come at you because you have like really embodied that value. No, this value is so important to me that I actually am willing to handle your blowback because I feel so convicted in it. And it's part of who I am as an individual. And so it's okay if it makes me different than you, it matters enough to me to speak up about it. Right. I think that's such a powerful way to think about it is the stronger you become in the the sense of what makes you who you are, right? So whatever that is, whatever belief system, whatever, you know, ideology that you carry, whatever, you know, even if it's like psychological concepts, like things that you really feel powerful about. It's, it's such a, I love that visual CA where like, if you know that you value it, but it doesn't feel like integrated enough and powerful enough for you to almost like stand up for it, right? You kind of like let it go, right? It's kind of that whole like, yeah, I know it's wrong to bully, but like, 
you know, it's not happening to me. So like, I'll just let it go. Right. And so it's like, until it's like almost a personal dynamic within yourself that you feel is like getting completely like violated or, you know, pushed up against like whatever that is. It is. It's one of those moments where you have to be like, oh, wait. Yeah. I feel powerful enough to talk about it. Right. Or to, to speak to it. Well, something that just came to mind for me is I think a lot of people who are listening right now might be able to like visualize themselves getting there about things that are like value and like conviction oriented, right? Like if you have, you know, if you believe really strongly in a particular cause or political view or, you know, like human rights issue or whatever it is, like, I think people can visualize themselves getting there. Like, oh no, like I can definitely picture myself being convicted enough to stand up for like an issue or a group. What I'm going to say next is that I think where boundary work is really tricky for people is the conviction you need to have to stand up for like personal violations when people are strictly being mean to you or misusing your time or taking advantage of your energy. Are you convicted enough in the value you place on yourself? Do you love yourself enough? Do you value yourself enough to stand up for yourself in the way that you would stand up against your ideals and your your views and your causes? I don't know that a lot of people are there yet with themselves. And even the parts of ourselves that we do love because we are so complex, there might even be other parts of ourselves that we don't have that level of self-love about. And so we withstand a lot more, you know, negativity in certain areas of our lives because we haven't developed a sense of autonomous self-love over that part of ourselves. So I think this is, this is where we're going to start to get really into like the work, (laughs) boundary work when it comes to you as an individual. It's, got to be rooted in self-love. So if you're feeling unable to place a boundary, let's let's put it on something like your time, okay? So you are consistently being asked to stay late at work but not getting paid more for it or to bring work home and your time is just being consistently taken advantage of. That is a huge boundary violation, and it might take you some time to develop the sense of value over your time that will convict you enough to lay a boundary with your workplace. Because especially like if you're trying to grow your career or you are in a marginalized group in your field and you want to be taken seriously and you don't want to like fall, you know, to the wayside, you want to like stay in the spotlight of the, you know, higher ups, like you might sit there and let your boundaries get violated a little bit when it comes to your time and your energy and your effort because you you know, you're trying to to go <laughs> for a certain sense of security in this career. And so you think, okay, well, this is, I, I don't deserve to have my time be my own because I haven't proven myself yet. And so until I reach a certain accolade or a certain level of prestige or whatever, like, oh, then, then I'll stand up for myself. 
And I know, I know I'm pushing, uh, this is like a push for a lot of people because it's hard to hear that maybe we are self-betraying from this sense of lack of self-worth. And that's what I wanted to get into is because I'm like, okay, the thing is, I think boundary work when it comes to you as your own individual is tricky when that, that sense of self-love isn't fully developed. Right. Because if you think about it, you can know that a boundary is getting crossed or that someone's violating like some aspect of like your own space and whatever is going on. You can know that. I mean, talk to any workplace, like listen to the lunchroom, like everyone will be like, can you believe this? And like, they'll all do the lunchroom gossip. And like, it's a bunch of boundary violations. Like this person did this and like, you know, and I sit there and I go, yeah, but like, that's, that's not the end of the story. Like, yeah, you can identify that someone's literally like, making everyone feel uncomfortable because they're making like sexist jokes in the workroom. Like we all know that that's a boundary being crossed. Right. But at what point, who's going to be the person that says, I would never tolerate one more joke. I'm not going to be in this person's like vicinity. Like I'm not going to right? like, who's going to be the person that's like, that is such a high value for me to not feel violated in that I am going to like match that energy, that value with the boundary. And I'm going to apply that. Right. And so that is, that is very, very tricky because if you think about it, like what CEO was talking about with the whole, like where you place yourself in the hierarchy of who gets to have power over you. I keep thinking about, I know we have some, um, parents that are listeners. So I keep thinking about like that whole, you know, my mom's trying to tell me how to parent kind of thing. Right. And like, you know, let's say you're 30 and you know, your mom's 55 or 60 or something. And you know, you're trying to parent and think about it. Your mom might be like watching your kids and you're seeing her do certain parenting techniques that are very shame-based and very like, you know, archaic. And you're like, what the heck is she doing? Like, that's not how I parent, whatever. And so there's an immediate obvious sign that there is a boundary getting crossed that isn't being like articulated, right? Like it's clear to you that you do have to make a line in the sand. Your mom actually might not know because she might think, oh, this is just how we all parent, right? But you know, there's something wrong that has to be addressed. Here comes the value though. If you place yourself constantly below your mom's authority and says, my mom will always have more say over me, my kids, anybody she interacts with. So anything she says just has to go. Well, then there's no way you can lay that boundary because now the value isn't high enough for you to, to address the boundary. You can know it's getting violated, but your value around your own authority is not high enough for you to actually apply that boundary. And so this is where I think a lot of people get stuck. And I like when we talk about these stuck points of healing, because I hear a lot of people get to this point. They come, they come into session. They say they know all the ways that their family is violating their boundaries. They say they don't get respected. They tell me even here's, here's another kicker that we haven't even gone into. They tell me they've said things they've said, well, I did. I said, you know, mom, and you know, there's been like conversations, but here's the thing. Even if you start showing up with the right framing and you say the words, the thing that would actually get you to walk out of that room, because I can say, CA, please listen, like what you're saying is affecting people. I need to leave the room if that is continuing to like be said, okay, whatever it is. And I say that 
I set the boundary and she continues to steamroll over everybody else's comfort in that room and starts being, you know, derogatory and everyone's uncomfortable, right? And she just doesn't care. She just keeps going, right? But I already laid the boundary, right? What I hear on my end with my clients, they'll be like, I said it. She just didn't respect me. And then my question becomes, what is it going to take for you to walk out of that room? Mm -hmm. Because now we're talking about you listening to not just where a boundary needs to lie, but we're listening to the integrity that it takes for you to follow through, which is very rooted, very, very rooted in your own worth. And like, is your peace worth disrupting the current status quo? Is your peace worth it? Because Mm -hmm. if you're like, I, it's not, well, then I, then we can't move forward that we, we can't, we can't move beyond that because you're telling me it's not worth it. <laughs> and and when we say peace, we're talking about your internal peace yes. because certainly there may be external yeah. discord as a result of these things. And I think what the concept you're hitting on right now, Jamie, is why it's so important to like ahead of laying the boundary. If you already are working with this sort of, you know, like flipped around framework that we've given you in this episode, if you're coming at it from the angle of my authority and what I can control, if you know that ahead of time, then you can be really kind of mindful and thoughtful about how you approach that boundary. And this is what's going to, you're going to get a whole wide array of examples based on the situation and the person and how highly you value that relationship and things like that. Because for some people, it might be a really hard boundary of, you know, you do it again, we're done. I'm literally never talking to you again. I'm deleting you from my phone. Like, if it's not a super highly valuable relationship, you might be able to be that hard and fast about it. Um, With other val- relationships that, you know, are really, like, important to you and long lasting, and you would like to work through conflict with that person rather than just you know, throw them off to the curb, like the, that type of boundary verbiage might sound a bit more gradual and might have a lot more kind of like nuance and step to it of, Hey, I'm starting to notice a pattern where when we get into a conflict, you're raising your voice to a point that's really like activating my nervous system and putting me into fight or flight. I don't think you want to put me into fight or flight. I think that you're just trying to be heard. However, I can't have conflict resolution with you when my system is in fight or flight. So when we have conflict in the future, I need you to use a calm voice. And if it starts to get to a place where I'm starting to feel unsafe, I'm going to have to, you know, maybe go take a break. I'm going to walk out for a couple of minutes and I'll let you know, hey, I, I need to go take a break because my nervous system is getting activated. And you have that like very nuanced conversation with that person, you know, and you let them know ahead of time that behavior might change looking for like moving forward with you. The way that you've shown up in the past might start to change as you start utilizing this particular boundary. And then that gives them the space to be autonomous over their actions. When you become autonomous over your own actions, it gives the other person the opportunity to be autonomous over their actions as well and be more mindful about the way that they're showing up. And if it's a relationship that is committed to 
you know, conflict resolution and like actually moving forward together, whether that's a partnership or parent-child dynamic, you know, hopefully both people are able to be mature about that. And I know that that's the ideal and not everybody's lucky enough to have a situation like that. And none of this is like, here's the silver bullet, just do it like exactly like this and everything will be hunky-dory. I think that's what I mean with like with certain types of things, you might have to have maybe gradual boundaries and see how that person handles moving forward with the way that you worded that, hey, I can't really handle conversations when they get to that caliber. So I'm going to take a break if that starts to happen. And then maybe we can try it again. Then say you come back and you try it again and they just like activate all over again. And now they're just screaming and hollering all over again. Your boundaries might start to look different. You might start to say, you know what, you're getting to a point where I no longer feel safe actually even bringing up topics that we have conflict on. So I'm going to need to walk out and, and really like, it's, we're, 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 we're not even going to approach the line where you might raise your voice. And that can have, you know, kind of cascading effects on a relationship, obviously, which we don't have time to get into in this episode. But that's kind of like a look at maybe with some people, you can have those hard and fast boundaries. With other people, you might have to make things a little more gradual. But at the end of the day, the framework itself is still from your, what you have control over. And that's really like the skill that we wanted you to walk away with today is just actually understanding when it comes to boundaries, it's not about you controlling other people's behavior. Don't talk to me like that. Don't do that to me. Stop, blah, blah, blah. Like those are just requests that you hope that person follows through on. A real boundary is something that you've mindfully thought through to the point where you really have a fully kind of convicted fully formed thought about the impact of this behavior at you that you're no longer willing to tolerate. So when you word it, it's, you know, it should be very like natural sounding. I mean, like when I used it in the very beginning, I think I was using like kind of like rote language because I, when I give a framework, I want you to hear it in the most like bare bones way possible. I know that's not organically the way people talk. I am not willing to blah, blah. Like I know most people don't usually talk like that. So, but it's going to feel so like embodied that when you speak about it, you really feel strongly rooted and understanding about how you feel about that topic. And you've got the conviction behind it to actually do whatever that follow through is thing that you mentioned that Jamie was saying, like, that's a stuck point for people is if you get to that point of like understanding the boundary, but you haven't fully embodied it yet, that's where you're going to you're going to get that stuck point, you're going to say, you know what, I'm not okay with you speaking to me like that. And if you do it again, I'm walking out of this room. Well, then they do it again. And you're like, oh, why, why do you keep talking to me like that? I thought I told you not to say that. I thought I told you that was offensive. And then you realize, oh, wait, I'm still roped into this situation. I didn't actually follow through. So it's well, about see, like approaching a, it. Right. But that's actually really interesting. Like that would be a good place for us to kind of like wrap up where it's like, Ultimately, if we do find ourselves in the cycle and we find ourselves being like, I told you and I said I was going to leave. And then the dude's like, and you didn't leave. Right. It's almost like, well, who's violating the boundary? Is it both parties at that point? Because in theory, one part of that boundary was like telling them 
and the other one was telling you and both Mm. parties weren't following through with the boundary. So like, I'm not, believe me, I don't want to be like blaming everybody for all these situations, but I do want you to identify like why that is such a call to action for yourself. Because when you frame it as something that you will do, Mm. part Mm -hmm. of that boundary is following through for yourself. Part of that boundary is following through for yourself. There is an aspect of that boundary that you're inviting them to adapt to. You're saying, hey, could you adapt to this request? Like, or I guess to the Mm -hmm. boundary, could you adapt? And then the follow-up is, am I respecting the full spectrum of this, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. so keep that in mind. I know that was kind of leaving you out, leaving you guys with a pretty heavy, heavy thinker right there, but... But Big old like piece of meat to chew on. Exactly, a meat to chew or whatever, or, or tofu to to tofu to crunch on. I'm just kidding. okay. So, yeah, sorry for the vegetarians. Sorry, whatever it is, the seaweed, the seaweed to crunch on, crunch, crunch. Okay. crunch so, crunch. um, yes, that's what we're gonna leave it there today. Um, we will probably be revisiting boundaries. This is kind mm-hmm. of just skimming the surface, but we did think it was worth kind of just venturing into because this is such a core concept in our own healing. And uh, we obviously love your questions. We love your feedback. We've been getting emails about certain topics that you guys want us to explore. So we just wanted to remind you, Unlearned at Recollected Self is our podcast email. And don't forget five-star rating and review if you love it. If you love it, make sure it's autonomous. (laughs) But make sure you are actually leaving that feedback because that is such a help to us. And yes, share this if you think someone needs to hear it today. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you so much, y'all, for tuning in. If anything we said resonated, please subscribe and leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. This absolutely helps us grow, and we really do value your voice on this podcast. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute, any tips, any topics, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at unlearned at recollectedself.com. You can find us on Instagram at the unlearned podcast or individual Instagrams at recollected self and CAs is at embracing divergence. You can also find us over on TikTok under those handles. If you want to join our Patreon for $5 a month, you can be our coffee fiend club member. And that's going to give you access to our podcast within a podcast, which is called unhinged. This is basically where we let loose completely unedited. We are literally just shooting the breeze, having fun. You can see our full personalities and it is a blast. Honestly, it's pretty fun. So if you want to join us, you can find that at patreon.com slash unlearned. And that's it. The last thing I want to tell you is I want you to be brave enough to fight for the person you want to become. And this is how we do the work.